All right, check one, check two. This is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. Yeah. With your host, <laughs> me, Rob Cantrell. Oh, man, I got a great episode, an exciting episode, a dope guest, an old friend, a good friend. Uh, he's been on the Conan O'Brien show. He has been on... Uh, music videos with Elton John. He's been in major motion pictures. He directs, he does stand-up. He's dope as hell. Please give it up for the one and only Victor Vernado. All right, I sound great. Yeah, this sounds awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Nice, nice. Cannabis coffee out. Do you have time to put like applause underneath that so I don't feel like such an asshole? Oh, dude, I got a funky beat with an organ on it that I love, that it just sits in there really nice. But yeah, 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 I always feel kind of like an asshole in the fake claps. But with showbiz, it's nice to butt, you know, it's nice to bookmark shit. I get it. I've got a midsection with an organ on it, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, your midsection? Yeah, my organ is my penis. <laughs> so my midsection is you have a sexual organ. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's audio organs and then there's sexual organs. And then what other organs are there? Uh, Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail. Oh, Apple. Oh, yeah. Oregon Trail. Uh, organs, man. Organs and organisms. That's what we're talking about. Uh, but first, we're talking about coffee. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour, everybody. I got a great, I did my own homebrew. Uh, Columbia beans, the cheapy cheap but goody good. Uh, I uh, blended it, iced coffee did all night. I got a fat cup. I got a nice one hitter pack that I might hit, I might not. You know, the cannabis coffee hour, it's not all weed every day, but it's mostly, I try to keep it real, Victor. Uh, yeah. where, where are you with coffee these days? I do, I, I usually start my day with coffee. My uh, wife, uh, Leslie, she does a bit of the French press action, which I won't touch. I refuse to French press coffee, but she <laughs> likes the French press. Uh, I'm with even... her. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm a French press, but I get what you're saying. You don't like the grounds or you might sound something else. I don't like I don't like anything like, for instance, like coffee or anything that is not like my thing thing. I don't like to put extra effort into it. Like I, I do, I like coffee, but I'm not like, I don't know the name of every bean. I don't really care about the name of every bean. I don't care where it comes from. I do like coffee. When somebody serves me a good cup of coffee, I recognize it as a good cup of coffee, but I'm not gonna go out of my way with a coffee apparatus for coffee. I'm just like either, like if it was left up to me, I would just brew it in something that brews it fast and then I'm done and I can have good coffee, but I don't, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to spend time on building a coffee machine. I'm not doing that. Well, coffee mate, the plastic office coffee is all good too. You know, even the uh, powdered milk sometimes kind of hits. If you do that just right, you know, that classic office coffee from coffee mate, Let's say if you're going to rent a car or you're going someplace or you got a temp job and you just got that awful piece of coffee and then you put the powdered fucking carpet cleaner in there and you shake it up. It's still pretty good. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I will say some of my favorite coffee sometimes is when you don't have any time for coffee and you just walk up to the food truck and you're like, just give me your coffee, make it light and sweet because that covers up whatever problem the coffee itself has. Oh yeah, that's a Brooklyn <laughs> bodega so, move right there. That's exactly. a and so, Brooklyn bodega move right there. And then it's all good. I'm just like, okay, I got it. I'm, I'm good with my coffee. I'm about to roll with this coffee and do my coffee thing. Yeah, do your coffee thing. And the thing about light and sweet, that's what you do at the bodega or deli. They probably do it in other places as well. And yeah, if I don't, you have shitty coffee and they add milk and sugar, to that, then it just it gets delicious. You yeah, start it does. getting to a chocolate. All chocolate is is like really sugary cocoa beans. So you when you start dealing with like cream and sugar with a basic cup of coffee, you can dance into a, a, a nice place. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it tastes at that point, it just starts tasting great. You're just like, okay, it doesn't even matter how it started. It could have been just like a lump of shit. And then it's good. Yeah. 
there's something about waking up. Like I just really, it's gotten to a point. It's a bad, but I've moved beyond it, but I really do need like a, a full French press every day, at least every morning. Um, it gets yeah, my I, three cups I'm on going. the other side of that, man. Yeah. I'm on the other side of that. I just like to get my coffee and then just go and do other things besides pay attention to the process of making coffee. Yep. Same, I'm the same way with weed. I'm the same way with weed. Like I have friends who are like, uh, this weed, it, you know, comes from X place and this is the special material that I use and I grinded it up like blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what's the quickest way to just handle this weed so that I can get the benefits of it without having to do research or without having to put together like a Rube Goldberg machine that is going to like spice the weed with grape flavor or something like that. I don't need all that. I just need it to be, I, I just, I mean, I, I am a person, I've got ADHD. All right. I'm a crazy person most of the time. And yes, having, yes, you are. <laughs> no, you're very sane. I'm not into calling everybody crazy anymore because it's a crazy huh? world out there, but I, think, I get what you're saying. I think you're highly creative and I'm the same way. It's hard. I think that nobody's sane, actually. Yeah, I, nobody's I really think, sane. Yeah. I really, and and to testament to that, I don't I don't know that there's anybody who's ever been in a relationship uh, that they can if you've ever been in a relationship with anybody, you can describe that person using only facts that makes them sound absolutely insane. You can, because yeah. when you get to know anybody, it's just nuts. You know, everybody's nuts. Yeah, and that's so, why you don't want to go too deep with people. <laughs> I try to keep it like the old. I used to be like, you got to know everybody and you got to know their family and really care. But now I'm just like, you just got to be nice and life is hard and sh everybody's dealing with super complex shit. Oh, yeah. In the back of their mind. So it's like, yeah, you don't want to dig too, too deep or you're going to find some crazy. I, I, I actually... I don't, you don't have to dig too, too deep with anybody, but I just always assume that everybody is just like struggling. Everybody's doubting themselves. Everybody's got anxiety. I mean, even the most people who seem the most confident and talented and just doing all kinds of like crazy stuff. Like for instance, for instance, me, like I, years ago, I would have looked at my life right now and then I would have envied my life. And then now that I'm here, I look at my life and I'm just, it still feels like I'm struggling. I'm, I'm on the precipice of failure all the time just because that's how my mind works. And so that's so I feel like everybody's that way. Yeah. I feel like everybody's going through that. So it's actually kind of cool thinking about that because then it humbles everybody else in my eyes. So like, even when I'm looking at somebody who is just like the pe person who I think is that that person is like the dopest person. I'm like, I've got so much, you know, like respect or awe or whatever. It, it humbles them in my mind so that I can look at them and just think of them as a person instead. Yes. And I think it also kind of even adds to the amount of focus you need to like pull off something big. Like when I see like a big movie star or somebody, because I've had little bits and I know what the pressure is and the mind game is. Uh -huh. So to see somebody pull it off and still kind of have their own true sense of self is inspiring and dope, you know, uh, because, yeah, it's it, it, like I was telling you earlier, I've been uh, meditating and that's the cool thing about getting older. One thing that I've, I've I dig is uh, learning contentment and to be content is just a very powerful thing. Um, and I think with showbiz, you're always got the dangling carrot. But uh -huh. what I've learned is like, if you work from a place of contentment, then you're appreciative of everything. And then things start to come to you, you know? Yeah, you kind of get aligned. Like what I've been, I've been just sitting for 20 minutes and I'm like, what is this doing? But slowly my spine is starting to like naturally straighten. And my posture slowly, like everything, and I do think there is a, an alignment, almost a nap, like a like a flower blossoming, like it just has to align. But if you keep on saying the flower ain't shit and throwing it down and not watering, it never, you know, it never aligns and blooms out. So that's where I have I no idea what you're talking about. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about the root chakra, man. I'm talking about aligning with the universe. Uh, I mean, I, 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 the feeling I get, but the metaphor was harder for me to grasp. I think at, at one point I was losing, I was losing my uh, focus. Not my focus, focus but I know. It, my the understanding. minute you start talking too spiritual, it, it, it loses it. Like, I think the same thing with comedy. I think the more you talk about God or spirituality, the further you're pushing it away. And then I think the same thing with comedy. The more you talk about comedy, the more unfunny it gets. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm not a big comedy conversation person. Like, I, but Especially, you know a lot, Victor. I want to tell the fans that you have been around and you've done movies with Eddie Murphy. You've directed Eric Andre's first comedy special as well as Hannibal's. Like you've done a lot of stuff. You've seen a lot of things. You've made a lot of mistakes and you've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just knowing my path, I know, and you're a few years ahead of me and I always look at you as a guy that's really smart and trying to create stuff out of nothing, which I think is the most powerful and uh, but I know it, it couldn't have been easy, Victor. I know you've must have stepped on a couple landmines on on the way. Oh, absolutely. This has been crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's no way to not step on landmines in the entertainment industry because everybody's so scared of losing their job that people just are crazy. Doing, and there's through, no blueprint. There's no thing. like this is show business building. It's just like it's 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 a little bit eternal. Yeah, actually, that's true. There is no blueprint like recently. Not, not too recently, but right before the pandemic started, uh, I was contacted by Penguin Random House and they had nice. made a deal with Facebook Watch. OK, and they're and so basically Facebook Watch was like throwing money into brands and they're like, we're trying to just make some shows and experimental shows. And they were like, do you have any ideas for a show featuring your brand? And then Penguin Random House was like, yeah, we're going to do this game shows, comedy game show, comedians, comedians and authors arguing over uh topics like nerd topics like is it better to be part of the uh rebellion or a part of the empire you know so like they would argue over nerd stuff yeah. and then they would have debates and then so then facebook was like yeah because the amount of money they're throwing at these shows wasn't was nothing to facebook i mean yeah i won't say the exact number but it was less than a million dollars uh which is nothing to facebook but is a lot to everybody else yes. they're like okay so we're going to throw this at this game show and then Penguin Random House, the the people who were actually pitched the show to Facebook were just like the corporate video department at Penguin Random House. They did not know how to make a game show. Okay. They were, I mean, they're good at what they do, which is, you know, make videos for Penguin Random House, but they're not like a they they're not like a television production company. Yeah, but the game show game is, yeah, there's a specific model and how things work. It's almost like the board game. Like the, it's a long tradition. But if you know how to do it, you can line it up. Nice exactly. And and so they came to me and they're like, hey, can you make this game show for us? Right. And I said, yes, never having made a, made a game show before. Yes. But you and are smart. You were on the spelling bee. <laughs> I was not Did on you the win spelling bee. I was Victor? I was on I was in debate club. Okay, debate club. Yeah. I was yeah. on debate club. Everybody, uh, Victor is as as a fascinating. He comes from Gary, Indiana. Sorry to enter the plug, but I just before we start going, I just think how fascinating from Gary, Indiana, started in improv, uh, moved into acting and stand-up, and you directed, and now you're pitching shows and you have your own production company, everybody. So he's gone from stand-up improv acting to directing and now it's the name of the game is producing your own stuff and now you're pitching actual producing actual game shows for facebook yeah i mean definitely and and making that game show was crazy because i really didn't know what i was doing but like and producing now is just i mean you're right it is about making stuff i mean i still do stand up and i still act but it it does Very help fine. when you're just like owning a piece of stuff you're creating that's a that's a big plus yeah, I think with the way royalties and things are going right now, it I mean, just to own and create your stuff and dealing with the majors, I think is awesome. And I I will <laughs> please Universal. I will audition. I will do everything. But at the same time, I just know I've owned a couple of my albums fully and just I've seen the money come back. And I know if I signed with like Comedy Central early on, like after 10 years, those contracts are set up that they kind of, after 
40 years, they're going to own all the shit that they produced for you. You know, yeah. you may get residuals for like 10 years, but your grandkids, if you made a dope ass album after 40 or 50 years, they're not going to see much of that money. Yeah, it's a good idea to try and keep your hands on as much stuff as you can. And then but and don't then piss off the big boys. Well, I mean, what you need to I think what people need to do and this is I mean, I only started trying to do this three years ago. Okay. And so, uh, and, and that is, I don't know, for people who are listening, not trying to be in entertainment. I've been in entertainment for many years, but yeah. I only, three years ago, I only decided to, to do, to work everything in a different way because this is the way I look at it. Okay. So, in entertainment, like everybody out in the entertainment world, they're all like, uh, they're all like working from the bottom up. But, I figured there has to be a better way. There has to be a way to work, uh, to work not from the bottom up. Like, let, let me give you a, a visual description. Okay, look at it this way. You're, you're in entertainment. You're in entertainment. And what you're always trying to do is you're always trying to reach out to other people and, get, and draw them toward you. You're trying to get more followers. You're trying to get more people to know you. You're going from city to city. Yeah, you're going from city to city trying to build your platform. However, you could build your platform a different way. Rather than you being the sing single beacon trying to bring people to you, what you can do is you can focus on turning every opportunity into something that brings people to you as well. For instance, like uh, for me, when I figured out the simple fact that the amount of time, say, you, you can spend going out at night and producing a uh or going out and doing one show like say you spend four hours of your time like an hour on the train you know an hour on the train uh you go do a show at a bar and three you, hours of bullshit yeah yeah whatever i mean exactly that th those hours <laughs> i was out hours, last night yeah yeah exactly all of that all of that can be all of that can be turned into uh time that you can like uh, the same amount of time i could write an article for vice okay i could write an article get it in vice then vice then vice's platform is sending people to my platform so yes. with the same amount of time whereas i can connect with maybe 20 people in a bar now i can connect with like you know 15 20 000 people instead and and so when i started looking at it like that i was just like well how can i and then but but also going out to the bar. You enjoy going out to the bar. It's, it's fun to go out to a bar. You love going out to bars. Not, you're not a big drinker, but I just, Victor's very social. He's a great guy to have a drink with at a bar with like five friends. And if you want to go to the third drink, he'll go there with you. Uh, <laughs> but after that, I've, I'm just saying, you do like that night. Like you don't have kids. Like you, en you enjoy the mix up. Well, yeah, but I'm also only social with certain people. You know that me as a That's social true. person because I'm social with you. I, <laughs> I feel blessed. I feel blessed. I feel uh, grateful for that. I'm actually kind of, I have a lot of social anxiety. I don't know. A lot of people don't know this. I, I've only started talking about it in the past couple of years, but I have a lot of social anxiety. And so a lot of times I will either just hang with the people I know or I'll like be in the corner being a creep and not talking to anybody. <laughs> like those are like yeah. usually the two modes I'm at. But it like with people I know, I love hanging out with people I know yeah. or people who I get to know and are good people. I I once this is actually this actually happened to me because I used to avoid people who were who I thought were just like toxic. Like I yeah. used to avoid people. And when I first <laughs> was getting to know Mark Marin, uh, I don't know how long, you know, known Mark, but like back in the day, he was just an angry dude. Dude, <laughs> I never angry. had a good uh, <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I never had a bad conversation. I never had a good conversation. The energy, it was, it was that, it was that negative energy that is like opposite of me mm -hmm. that uh, I, I respect him and I dig what he does, but yeah, I never connected with him. Yeah. I never connected. So like one time, so like one time we were, I think it was at, uh, it was at eating it, that show run. Uh, yeah. And, and then by, uh, <laughs> By Dave, was it Dave Rath or Jeff Singer back then? 
I think maybe Jeff's the, that was like the early, yeah, it was just like 99. That's right when I started and that you couldn't get on a hotter show, what was called eating it. And it was yeah. in the lower East side. Mm -hmm. And that is where Tim and Eric kind of spawned out of a couple other big, uh, Eugene Merman, a couple other people, but yeah, it oh, was yeah. a scene. Yeah. So I was, I was on that show and we were just like, everybody was hanging out in the bar and like Mark Mann was there and people were like all over Mark Maron. And then I was also in the show and I was funny. And so people were like, I was standing next to Mark Maron and people were saying that he was funny and they were saying I was funny. But then as soon as the people left, as soon as the people left, I kind of like shut down because I didn't want to talk to Mark Maron. And then he goes, he goes, Victor, what horrible thing did I do to you? Like he honed in on me when he saw me not <laughs> engaging with him. And he goes, what horrible thing have I done to you that has caused you to hate me? And I was like, you didn't do anything. I was just like, I just know that you, I, I see you like having like really negative interactions with people. And I just didn't want any part. Like I told him straight up. I was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, didn't yeah. want any part of that. And then he goes, okay, that, I, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but he People weren't talking about <laughs> negative energy that back then. Most <laughs> comedians were negative as shit. It's a very uh but uh but at the same time negativity is funny and you know I think Mark has his own yeah, he has his own thing and it, he's hard not to watch when he's on stage. Yeah, I mean he is he is super funny, but at the time yeah. like I was just not that that actually happened the, the that same thing happened to me uh with uh, a couple of different comics who were just like because uh when i when i first started i i thought this is i mean when i first started i thought that i had to like really do the comedy club scene a lot and then but honestly same, same. and i and i learned that i didn't have to yeah and then so have. but the comedy club scene is a lot of comics who are just really desperate for attention and I mean, this is not all comics, but but it is rampant yeah. <laughs> within the comedy community. A lot of and there's a lot of non-creative people and people doing it solely for ego purposes. Yeah. But in that cut, there's some of the best craftsmen out there. That's the only that's the, and I don't like I'm not a big club guy and they've burned me on many occasions. And right now during the pandemic, I'm just doing cool shows. I'm picking and choosing my spots. I've been doing this long enough that. I don't give a fuck, but yeah, uh -huh. th th I just, just to throw the comedy club world a bone, uh, there is great joke craftsmanship out of it. Oh no, there's like amazing people, but I just don't like the part where people like hang out and then they try to like insult or fuck with each other. And like, because I mean, I, um, unless I know you, <laughs> unless I know you, like I don't, I don't do that. I mean, I don't. I don't do that. I don't fuck with people unnecessarily. I, I mean, I will say no. I grew up the same way. We grew up in the seventies. You don't fuck with people you don't know because you're gonna get punched in the face. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 I will. I mean, I will say nonsense to people. I, I'm a goofy person, but yeah. I don't. I don't like the the whole like insult vibe. Like with comics, I'm just like not into that. I like being nice to people. I love like, all the people working because <laughs> of the roast, but I thought the whole even roast thing, the trend that comedy was stand up was going, I just pulled away. I was like, mm -hmm. this wasn't the reason I got into it. This isn't, I know my you know, people's dads love the old fogey roasts and it's nice to call somebody a hack. I love uh -huh. all that shit, but it just got too much of a, a niche, like within stand up, like everybody putting each other down, like, and they, none of them, like, everybody's got trauma. These are all, like, 35-year-old men that probably got fine. You know, it's just, <laughs> like, people got fucking baggage, man. You don't know. Who, and everybody knows MMA now. Like, it's it's a weird dance out there. See, but here's the thing. I, I think that roasts can be done well. I don't like roasts where they're just doing them as an excuse to be, like, racist, misogynist, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, that's, like, ugh. I mean, but to be honest, it got to that way. It got it got yeah. to this formulaic like, okay, yeah. we're gonna bring out all the '80s uh, jokes that none of these millennials know. Like, I kind of know all these these tropes that a lot of these guys don't know. Like, I'm just like, oh, that's the old '80s hack style that everybody's doing now. But um, but yeah, but uh, to be honest, like, Battleicious is a roast. It's it a, is. I know. never liked battle rap. 
I was I was into Houdini, but I love your show and I love hip hop. I love yeah. rhyming. I like when we're, I like playing with words. I mm -hmm. think it's poetry. I think it's creativity. I think creativity needs to create. It's very organic, much like the flower trying to blossom when you meditate and you find <laughs> a line <laughs> just right and it comes out and you're just uh, like, here we go. We won't give up this garden metaphor. I just can't. <laughs> You gotta go. It's all about nature. But I no. But know. I'm I'm saying Battalicious is a roast, but it's not like a mean roast. It's just yeah, like uh, just so Victor, everybody knows. Victor produces and runs a great rap battle, comedy rap battle program that was a show for years. It's done some great pilots. I could see it being a TV show any minute. It's called Battalicious. It's literally uh -huh. like uh, Eight Mile with comics. It's uh, hilarious. Yeah, and I'm actually going to be. I'm actually talking to some companies about doing it <laughs> as a as a show. This is a weird thing because, like, for every Netflix, for every Netflix out there, there are a thousand wannabe Netflixes who all oh, need yeah. content. And so I'm trying to like get Battleicious up and running somehow. We'll On see. the Stork streaming service, exactly. <laughs> all about Storks in one comedy <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, but no, it's a great yeah, idea. I, I, like, Victor. I love battles and I love that. Uh, but yours was goofy. And when people went like, like if there was such a ham bone thing to it. Like when people went super negative on Battleicious, it didn't really work. Oh, no, because everybody else was goofy. And then yeah, I would also make fun goofball. of people. I would also make fun of people because I was hosting. I would make fun of people for being super negative. because I was just like, what are you doing? We don't need that. And Victor <laughs> was, uh, his old thing was King Supernuts. That's yes. his MC name is King Supernuts. He has very big uh, testicle uh, as the name moniker says, but that's more of an essence. I have never seen his testicles. <laughs> King Supernuts, that's right. I'm, I'm working on an EP for King Supernuts right now. Oh yeah. I'm working uh -huh. on some joints myself, my man. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a music project that I, I don't I keep on talking about it on the podcast, but I'm finishing up and I'm shooting some of the videos this week. And so I'm slowly during the pandemic, I went hard into garage band, playing guitar, messing with sounds, messing with vibrations. Uh, that's what I like about podcasting as well, that, you know, I, I make my own beats for this thing and, you know, it keeps us out there. And now with the Zoom Dude, I'm, I'm talking to uh, director, writer, Victor Vernado. Uh, <laughs> we live so, in the same city. We don't need to Zoom. We I know. We don't. <laughs> I wanted to go to the park and do it with you there, but it's rainy out. So it's it's nice to stay flexible. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's raining, so screw it. You know what? Yeah, screw it, man. You can uh, live inside a tiny TV. <laughs> yeah, I got my 80s television here, so... It looks, it looks dope, especially because of your background. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just gray. I got a background. Huh. I may put something here. I've, I've done some stuff. I've done some cheesy backgrounds, but I think I'm going to stick with the TV. This is just for the Patreon. Everybody, if you want to watch the video of this, go to my Patreon, Rob Cantrell Coffee, and you can see Victor in this dope uh, blue light, uh, just <laughs> humming all kinds of great information. Uh, Victor, now you were in the movie End of Days. Like, let's talk about your career because it is kind of fascinating. Your big, I was looking at your Wikipedia this morning. Your big breakout was with Elton John. Can you just tell us a little bit about that scenario? Like, how oh, did you absolutely. get that gig? Did you hang with Elton? Were you uh, naked? Was there cocaine involved? Uh, well, uh, ye no, no. No and yes. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. We don't know where these land, but I'm ready to hear this. I'm going to fire up a little one hitter as Victor tells us the story of Elton John. Um, the way that I got cast in, they they were looking for light skinned people with like light hair, uh, and somebody was a casting director was uh, trying to find people at a dance club. I was dancing. They wanted dancers, light skin, light hair. As an albino, I totally fit. <laughs> Victor has so, a look. He has a look. And so they asked me, like, hey, do you want to be in a music video with Elton John? And I was like, this is like when I first came to New York. I just started here. I started going out to a, a night to clubs. And then a casting agent walks up to me like this is this is like my dream. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, this is like two years into 
two years, I mean, one year into New York. And so like Jesus. one year in New York, New York, I'm dancing at a club uh, and a casting director walks, walks up to me and says, you want to be in an Elton John music video? I was like, oh, entertainment's easy. That's what I think first. Uh, yeah, then, that's what we all think, the first gig. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I got, so I go to the shoot and they dress me up basically in a diaper. So I'm like in a diaper and other than that, pretty much, you know, naked. Did and you have I, an agent or manager or was this straight up, hey, here's, let's do it. Because that's a lot, just to no, clue I, people in, that's a lot, show business, you don't need a manager and agent. It's a lot of it's relationships. No, I had no agent and manager, but what I did was I used, I used it to get an agent. Yes. Yeah. Hip um, the kids to it all. Yeah. But, and by the way, that's an easy way to do it. Like if you have an agent that you're like, you know, you're dancing around with, just give them something to negotiate and then you, they'll sign you. <laughs> <It's easy. laughs> yeah. so they just want to try to make a deal. It's all about deals on that. End. Yeah. And so they, so they, I showed up and then we were all in like, we were all like powdered down. So we looked even paler in angel costumes and the director, whose name was Marcus Nispel. Marcus Nispel, he recently did the, uh, not recently, but he did the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He went on to become like a big horror director. Wow. But then he was, he was there and uh, we did this shoot and they, and they, I was improvising and, and he really liked it. And then Elton John comes up, he's, he's shooting at a different part of the day. But at one point, they have us all line up so Elton John can look at us. Sir, Elton's got to give you a look over, Victor. I dig yes. it. Yes. So we're like standing in a line dressed this is in like nothing. Cancel 90s. Yeah, this is uh, yeah right there. I'm wearing like a gauze loincloth. And <laughs> Elton John is just like walking down to us, walking, walking, walking down the line, looking us up and down going, beautiful. Oh, just beautiful. Like all these dudes. <laughs> and he's like looking at all of us. And I'm I'm like, I'm like in my late twenties and I keep in good shape. And so he's and like Victor looking. can fight if anybody knows Victor's one of the tougher kids I know. Now he's not a kid, <laughs> but not anymore. Sadly. Not anymore, but he was never afraid to street I, I, just keep on going, Victor. I'm just saying you're not a, <laughs> as what you would think somebody at an Elton John video shoot, like Victor does have a little bit of street sense to him as well. Well, I grew up in a neighborhood where, like, if you did not fight, you would definitely be beat on. Normally. Yeah, you so. definitely have your arm broken, yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, he was just looking us up and down, and that was, I mean, that was all there was to it. There was nothing more than that. Also, in that same group of people was uh, Michael Portnoy, and you might not know his name, but you do know him as in the late 90s early 2000s as the soy bomb guy from the music awards oh, who yeah. ran on stage yeah so like he was the guy who ran on stage with soy bomb written on just look him up online if you don't, never heard of it he's like this is a low crashed the mtv character. music awards yeah 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 he crashed the big mtv music awards i think during rem and he just mm -hmm. had a soy he was super i don't know what he's trying to do like just vegan out super on everybody yeah i think he was just trying to just like do something he's, he's just an artist he's just yeah, being a crazy a lot artist. of it's just uh getting attention you know that's yeah. the, 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 all of show business and all the kids out there the great uh a great documentary is mel brooks's documentary called make some noise and he, he was a drummer he was a jazz drummer and he's like yeah just go out there and do some shit just make some fucking noise that's how you do it <laughs> that's great yeah. I, you know, my favorite documentary about entertainment is uh, the Defiant Ones. That series, the Defiant Ones. You ever watch that? Yes, I've watched part of that, and that has the Eminem and Dr. Dre relationship with the yeah, it's Dr. Dre and, and and uh, what uh, Jimmy Ivy is that his name? Yeah, yeah Jimmy so Ivy, and they went on to make the deal with Beats speakers. That changed. Jimmy, I, yeah, that changed the way I work period. It changed everything about how I work because when I was watching the defiant ones and then they're just like Dr. Dre's mom is talking about like Dr. Dre, he'd be making beats. He'd be fall, he'd fall asleep at his, at, in his room, like on top of his uh, DJ equipment and stuff like that. I was just like, Whoa. All right. So I was just, cause I thought I was a hard worker, but I was like, I am not a hard worker. <laughs> I need to like up the ante. And so that, that, documentary was like i need to up and then ever since then i have upped the ante and it's it's been working actually it's been 
Yeah, it's been helping. You're doing it, Victor. No, you're doing it. Victor and I, he produced a comedy series with a production company and he picked me out to do a stand-up set. Oh, yeah. And I haven't done a TV stand-up set in a while and it went great. That's awesome. But uh, production company was a little, we just, you know, with things, it has to align up perfectly to make it run and it didn't. But uh, I saw what you were doing. Victor has a production company. He's producing television shows. He's already, you produced something called LARP. Uh, Realm of LARP, yeah. Which was also a big series that was like action. It was like D&D live action people, but a documentary about them. And it was fascinating. Um, yeah, it's just uh, you've, you've, you've upped the end. I looked it to you because I always want to direct. Um, and you've been directing for a while now. And the thing about directing, it's almost like, you know, Dr. Dre, like a producer. Uh, it's just all the details and making sure it all sits together and fits together right. But it's not the sexiest work, but it, it definitely has control of the ultimate product. Yeah, and, uh, I, as I a think director, directing can be sexy. I think it can that? be totally. I think directing can be sexy. It can it be, can a lot be of fun. if you're good. Yeah. Yeah, if you're good and well-respected. I think it can be very, very cool and very sexy. Yeah, filmmaking, just even doing this music video tomorrow, I'm just having somebody help me out for a minute. There is a, it's a different type of stress, like making a piece of content. Like if you're gonna do it for real, if you're gonna have people show up and shoot, it, you know, it is a dance um, and it's yeah. not for the simple minded. I think that, I mean, I think that it can be simple though, because it should be Zen. Yeah. Because there's one, there's one central point that is in all art, all of it, every single type of art that you're doing, there's one thing that drives it all, which is communicating. You're trying to get someone to understand or, or heed a message. If you're telling a joke, if you're making a song, if you're making a painting, you got a photograph, if you're writing a story, you're communicating. And yes. then when you think about it in its, in its rawest form, like the smallest version of communicating is just getting someone to understand something for one moment. And so when I, when I'm like directing, like you don't, I don't even look at the whole, like I, I think about the whole thing. But then when I'm working on one moment, all I'm working on is just like that one moment is a message right in that one moment. Because if you keep making moments where the message is right, where the message is right, and you've then then the whole the message will be understood as well. And so I, I, I feel like it can be simple if people just like break it down, like yeah. just break it down to its simplest point, because you think about the overall thing. And you think about the overall parts of the thing, and then you think about the things that you have to do to make those parts come to life. And then when you have it all broken down in little pieces, just work on that one little piece because everything else is already planned out. So then work on the next little piece and work on the next little piece. And then eventually it's all a big thing. That's awesome. One step at a time, sweet <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, uh, one step at a time, sweet Lord. I know, you know, you know, you know, just get in one foot and put the next foot down and go <laughs> get the knee up and move it slightly forward yeah just going right to the task at hand and there is just for people that are struggling with getting off the couch and stuff there is a cool buzz with completing a task and it's just like to have things ride in the in the mid-range you know, that's what's hard about show business. It doesn't go with your, your, oh, I need this right now. It's all pretty natural, but you have to, uh, yeah, you just have to let it flow a little bit. Yeah, you gotta, I mean, you have to let it flow. I mean, otherwise- And just work on the one little thing, because if you yeah. the big, the big thing, to take this to life, if you're thinking too much, you're not thinking about what you have to do right at this moment, which is I need to get this shot and this person needs to say this word and we just got to get it that. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, think about this, like the, 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 your whole podcast is a thing. Like, but if you're thinking about like, if you're thinking about like, Oh, how are we going to wrap this up right now? Like, that's not the, you used to, you have to think about connecting in this moment with, and having this particular part of this conversation. Because yes. this part of the podcast has to be good too, rather than, but if, I mean, you could be, 
you could be worrying about like how long this is going to take to edit. You could be worrying about like, you know, how, you know, posting this, uh, the social media around it. You could worry about all of that because that's all part of it. It's just like directing, directing, directing a movie, like all, all this stuff, all that stuff is part of this, you know, your podcast experience. But right now, all we're concentrating on is talking and communicating to one another. And making that's, a point that makes sense to the listener. Yeah, uh, exactly. A hundred percent. And that's where I do think you deal with sanity, but there's something about just uh, Buddhism and, and meditation about breaking things down to the absolute moment. And that's when you can concentrate on the little things. Cause you're like, Oh, I'll just black out everything else. Let's just get this done. And then we'll work to the next moment. Uh, Cause this is the only real moment. Like if you're worried about that, you're stacking it up top. You need to just work from this moment. You think uh, I, uh, you, I think that I, I, so here's the thing. I love, I love meditation. Stand I up love fucks philosophy. that up for me, Victor. Just so oh, yeah? I, I just wanted to say, cause I think you could relate to that point is yeah. We're all trying to live in the moment because happiness is in the moment, but stand uh -huh. up, you have to prepare and write jokes. And I'm thinking about the joke, but lately I have been letting go and just having fun and just going for it. But yeah, there's something about stand-up that I have to almost untrain my mind because I'm thinking too much about how do I start? How do I end? Where am I? You know, it's just like there's so much going on to it. Yeah, it depends. Like, I mean, stand-up is a thing where like when you when you just jump on stage, like you you kind of need especially it shows where the audience is not a sea of people. Okay, because it shows where you have like a ton of people in the audience. Like I think the biggest crowd I ever performed for, I think was about 5,000 people. And that was the easiest show, <laughs> even though it is because. Yeah. 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 No, they're set up can, for you. If you yeah. know what you're doing, you got to know some jokes. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you, if you've got some jokes and, and you have 5,000 people, yeah. you're good because the, the thing is that somebody's going to get it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you got 5,000 tries at getting your joke, somebody's going to, and if it's stuff that you know that works, somebody's going to get it. Now, if it's a smaller room, you have to know the mood of that room. You need to, you need to connect to people and you need to get it right. And then sometimes those shows are easy, but I feel like the larger the show is, the easier it gets. It's just like being on, being on TV. Sometimes those, those sets are the breeziest sets. It's, it is so sad when you watch people bomb on TV because because that I think usually comes from usually comes from people being too hyped on themselves and it's not doing the like the work behind the art because like I've seen people bomb. I mean, not everybody. I mean, I've seen people bomb. Uh, oh, oh, my God. OK, so I had some friends who wrote for uh, Conan. And then so when comics would go on Conan, they would give me the feedback that Conan would talk about the, the comedians. Yeah. And then I'm not, I'm not going to say any comedian's names, obviously at this point, but, <laughs> but there's one comedian who went on very popular comedian and he went on and he bombed hard. And then Conan was just like, that guy was the epitome of cool kid. Like he really, he wasn't trying to work. He wasn't trying to do real jokes. He got on this show based only on the fact that everybody thinks he's cool and he and like conan was like he's not an artist or something like like conan went off and so and but that but that is that is i think part of what what happens to people when they play those specific rooms that have like a mood like for for, for instance like we talked about eating it like that show has like a particular mood and then like the cool comics like even if they're shitty people laugh because they're like ha 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 of course we laugh at this guy he's the best you know but it's like ah, the emperor's new clothes i see his clothes of course I can I can totally see. Uh, by the way, kids, Emperor's New Clothes is this fable about this emperor who uh, who's walking down the street naked, but says that only cool people can see his clothes, and people pretend they can see his clothes because they want to be cool. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. So then it's all about uh, faking the funk. You can't yeah, fake but, the funk. But then when they get in front of an audience that is not part of that group that believes in them, then then everybody sees that the emperor's just butt naked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is the cool kid 
Uh, but I'm leaning into these Brooklyn rooms. I think Brooklyn's just like the only borough right now that's like doing well. I saw an article like Brooklyn's actually pushing New York forward. And I go out to these shows and the last two nights I did Littlefield packed out, hot crowd, huh? everybody vaxxed, everybody with masks. I did my work. I got out. It was awesome. It was like playing a mini theater. And then I did uh, gutter last night. I took a night off and then I went to gutter. Same thing, packed out, vaxxed out, masked on. And uh, I had a good set. It, yeah, but there, yeah, it just seems like uh, I worry about that cool thing like you're talking about. Like, I worry about it because I do like cool shit. <laughs> I yeah. like things that are cool. I like cool people. I'm sorry, comedy. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go <laughs> against the grain. I know cool isn't as funny as funny, but I like <laughs> cool shit. I like cool cars. I like cool people. I like cool music. I like cool weed. I like Victor. He's cool. You can be funny and cool, can't you? Could you be? Yeah, both? Eddie Murphy. Let's let's end it up on that. Victor did a movie with Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy is a cool motherfucker. Let's just say it. He's a cool dude. He wasn't a nerd. He used to box. He was into comedy. I think he just knew what he wanted to do. And he just was like, okay, this is what you do. Boom, boom, boom. And, and as an actor, I think a lot of art, even sports, is confidence. Yeah. And being a cool kid, being cool is being confident. And being, being cool, I think, from the classic, is being mellow when stress is happening. I would say that's from the hood is like being cool is like the most dude that just can keep his wits together when the shit goes down, you know, and then that dude can figure shit out if you're cool. I feel like I mean, I don't even know what cool is. I, I yeah. see, you, you seem to have a definition. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. I just know. I think it's a I think it's living in the moment. I think whatever that Fonz thing is, is him banging against the wall or the dude going on stage. I think when you're your authentic self and you're a part of nature and it's authentic and natural, it can't be fucked with. And that's cool. I feel like the thing that people don't really do I, I i judge my coolness by the the amount of bullshit that i'm in the middle of and i'm very rarely in the middle of a bunch of bullshit because that happens in a comedy world or world where people are in the middle of a bunch of bullshit all the time all the i mean time. there's like everybody's wars. got a ton of bullshit and then when it <laughs> yeah. comes together it becomes these super bullshit piles <laughs> yeah and yeah. so like when i'm not in the middle of a bunch of bullshit then that make even even when even when like I there was a time like when a bunch of people came after like tried to come after like me because I made this video about like not raping people like uh, about how not to rape people because like there's so much rape happening in the comedy world. And then I just made a video like, hey, here's how not to rape people. And, and so uh, it wasn't the best video in the world, but it had accurate information. But then these these guys got so mad, like uh, like a bunch of uh, a bunch of comics and podcasts like Legion of Skanks came after me, but oh, they shit. never like. They never like came after me. Uh, they never like came after me to my face. Like they would never confront me. They would never like be on my show or invite me on their show to talk about it because uh, because I don't know why. But it's just like I wasn't. And but like even though There's they were a lot involved of bullshit in this, out there, yeah, they yeah. were involved in this bullshit. And they attacked yeah. all the women that were involved in the video, but they didn't attack me, who is the author of the video, as much. So like they had the women on, and they would like call them names and come after them online, but. It was just like I was never wrapped up in the bullshit. And so I judge my, I guess, the less bullshit that I'm in, I think the better I think I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you don't fuck with fools, man. And uh, I don't know why you're nice to me. Because <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> you're uh, awesome. But, oh, thank Victor, I think you're awesome. Just to give the kids, uh, I keep doing all the cool shit, all the wild stuff. You've told me some of the things, your productions company, you're up, going up and beyond. Uh, I could just feel it because, you know, it, how I think is like you can't teach 20 years of experience. You know, I, mm -hmm. there was a refrigerator guy that came to my apartment. He's like, I'm the best. I'm the best. <laughs> and I was the like, best. why are you the best? He goes, I've been doing this 20 years. I was like, yeah, you got to pass on this knowledge because he kind of like showed me how to fix my refrigerator. He goes, you can't teach 20 years of experience. 
And I was like, yeah. It helped me with stand-up because I look around and I know a lot of people say this and that, but it's like, dude, I've been doing this from ni- since 1999 with some of the best people out here in New York. Like, I just know instinctually a little bit more than a 10-year guy. Just instinctually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's just in there. So it is what it is, but I-, I can't wait to keep using this knowledge and growing and working with cool people like yourself. But one quick Eddie Murphy story and we're out, Victor. Well, how was it working on, was it Pluto Nash? Uh, yeah, I did work on the adventures of Pluto Nash. Yes. And how many lines did you have? You had a couple big scenes because I remember you from it. Ooh, that's our timer. You got to go. <laughs> Victor has enough. Victor's very famous and successful, everybody. Look him up, Victor Vernado. Especially, he, he's directed a music video for me, uh, Rub My Feet. Can we give a, the actress, can you please uh, give her some shout out? I want to say her name correctly. Diana. Oh, Diane, Diane Langan. She's amazing. She recently passed away. She is 100% awesome. I love awesome. her so much. She's one of my best friends. Uh, and then Sweetest person I do, to work with. I do want to say, though, that on uh, if we have time, on October 19th, uh, uh, Christian Finnegan's Show Your Work comes out, a special which I directed, and oh, it's awesome. coming out. Uh, October 19th. And also check out my podcast, Six Unseemly Questions at unseemlyquestions.com, y'all. It's a game show podcast. You have to come back and do it again. I've done it and it was fun. Any Victor projects I'm down for. Uh, He'll throw all kinds of stuff at me, but they're usually fun and out of the box and awesome. Please check him out. He's doing great stuff. Uh, I love you, Victor. Yeah, you did Pluto Nash. You did a couple lines. It came out. It was awesome. Well, it's just <laughs> awesome that you did. I know it didn't do well in the box office, everybody, but it also, uh, it was just to get a part in a major motion picture trips me out. And that you did that so early in your career and you did it with such a well-known actor as Eddie Murphy. I just think it's kind of cool. So I just well, wanted to- I can't tell you what's happening exactly right now, but there's more stuff coming up, everybody. So yeah, he's got a ton of, out. yeah, lot, watch out. Victor is no joke. Uh, he also knows, knows karate. Um, and he's awesome and uh, one of my favorites. Thanks for being on the Cannabis Coffee Hour, Victor. Thanks for having me, man. All right, Victor Bernardo, everybody. Peace and one love. Yeah. Yeah. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.